You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you from the near Southside Historic District in downtown Grand Forks, where spring is finally starting to spring. You know, Father, you, we we failed to mention the weather at the top of the thing. We're, we usually start our whole program with I the know, weather. I know, we often do on. that. And it's so gorgeous and beautiful, and the melt is on. and the Our sand-covered snow piles are dwindling slowly, you but know, surely. And, and, and I'd love to say our next segment is going to take this bright, cheery sun and spring day and whatever, but <laughs> it, uh, unfortunately it. we're going to go back into the darkness with a tragedy. Yes, yes, indeed. But uh, yeah, there certainly is nothing tragic about this. We do have to be concerned. We want uh, the melt to be somewhat gradual so that in local places there aren't uh, dangers of flooding. There is a small town to the north of us, Oslo, Minnesota, that many springs becomes, at least for a few days, an island because it is located, you might say, in an oxbow along the Red River. You know, I, uh, yesterday morning after Mass, I walked into my house. I had my, my galoshes on and stuff, and then there was snow up to my knees. In the afternoon, when I went out to do uh, faith formation, the water was up to my ankles. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes and 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 there are people in parts of our listening area saying we haven't experienced anything like that all winter long so bless your heart as the saying goes. so from the sunlight of spring into the <laughs> into the into tragedy, tragedy. but uh it, it's not tragic that we have our guests t- taking um our uh, stroll down literary lane with us today we have father william slattery a fellow priest of the diocese of fargo welcome back to real presence live Good morning. Great to be with you today. And uh, yes, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to um, uh, an, an Irish brother of ours in the Lord. Um, also, uh, welcome back to Nancy Gord. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. And uh, so we are going to be discussing Shakespeare's Hamlet, perhaps one of his very best-known works, even though because of its length it may not be the best known in terms of the content or uh, the largest number of people having read it. But um, uh, let's let's go ahead and launch in. Uh, Whichever one of you wants to begin here with um, uh, starting to uh, acquaint us with this work that you have chosen today. Well, I can certainly address the plot. It is a lengthy play. Uh, But the gist of it is, is that Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, is mourning the death of his father, who is also named Hamlet, as well as the too-quick marriage of his mother to his father's brother, who now rules as king. His grief is profound, and he finds life dreary and onerous. He is in a dark place. Now, dead King Hamlet's ghost, dressed in armor as though ready for war, has been appearing but not speaking to guards. Prince Hamlet is informed, and he goes to check this out. The ghost informs him, and him alone, that he was murdered by his brother, now the king. Killed by poison while sleeping in the garden, he was not in a state of grace, and his spirit is unsettled, and he calls for vengeance. So Prince Hamlet is concerned about the nature of this spirit. It sets into motion Hamlet's plan for revenge. This plan involves feigned madness, an incriminating theatrical production, 
and the misuse of his love interest, Ophelia. Of course, there's political intrigue. Hamlet's life is in danger as King Claudius discovers the prince knows the truth. There's also a subplot involving important gods of Norway, a royal figure also seeking revenge for his father. As in many of the literary works we have discussed, it addresses the roles that fathers play in their children's lives. And it is considered one of the most, if not the most, influential literary work ever written. Indeed. And uh, there have been countless uh, productions on the stage, whether it be uh, Broadway or certainly in, in England and, and motion picture um, developments as well. So um, uh, let, let's start talking, Father Slattery, about some of the prominent Catholic themes uh, that, uh, that, that may emerge, just for people who are um, unfamiliar with this, with this work. Yeah, so one of the reasons why uh, Nancy and I kind of suggested this, uh, I think uh, one, you know, we dig in the history of, of William Shakespeare, one of the things that's become kind of very clear is that, uh, you know, he, he was a Catholic, as a lot of the research is coming out, right? Uh, so, um, and, I mean, within the time that he's writing uh, in England, there was a lot of strife with uh, the Catholic and Protestant faiths. Um, and so it wasn't very a public thing, but uh, there's a lot of great Catholic themes that are here, and Often, like the great works of literature um, that we find, they, they reflect upon the human nature and this, um, the reality of faith and the struggle of faith. And that's what I find like really moving about this uh, this play of Hamlet is uh, kind of taking up these themes, especially of vengeance um, and especially the kind of brutality and monstrous kind of way that the kind of this desire for vengeance can corrupt human nature. Um, but at the same time, too, the effects that tragedy has on individuals and um, and especially a cultural response to things like madness, um, things like suicide. Um, I think that, you know, as, as a person of faith, you know, Shakespeare, you know, it doesn't just choose these themes as tropes because they kind of move plot dialogue along, but they kind of authentically things that individuals do care about and are concerned about. And these, these kind of, uh, these themes, Catholic kind of themes, especially of kind of why vengeance is something that, while, you know, kind of some ways moving in the passions is something the Church always says, you know, we, we have to avoid <laughs> Uh, as as a, right. a moral need, and then the same thing is like when dealing with like madness, depression, and suicide. Uh, but what is the Catholic response to those? And yeah. that was why we kind of suggested this. I'm also glad that you mentioned, or at least alluded to, the biographical uh, piece on uh, Shakespeare's life that uh, he lived uh, in the late 16th century, overlapping much of the uh, reign of Queen Elizabeth I, mm -hmm. and that there was a lot of uh, hostility there toward um, uh, uh, lay uh, Catholics as well as uh, priests and other, other clergy. Um, Nancy, would you want to take up uh, kind of that same question of some of the prominent um, Catholic themes or values that, uh, that, that you locate in, in Hamlet? In terms of the idea, because in the very famous soliloquy, to be or not to be, Hamlet thinks of suicide because he is so terribly full of grief and quite depressed, disappointed in his mother and mourning the loss of his father. So this idea of the hereafter comes up in Hamlet quite a bit, too. That what comes after death, how would I be punished if I took my own life? And another thing I want to talk about a little bit is the important role that Ophelia plays in this. She is a pawn. She is used by both her father and Hamlet. 
And she is driven mad because of it. She feels a great deal of guilt, a great deal of conflict, because it addresses the chastity of a woman and the preservation of that. And what is the role of the woman in a royal court but as a pawn? And so the respect for the individual, for one's humanity, for, for one's physical nature, we don't see that coming to Ophelia. Father, Father Slattery, could you, could you, there's one uh, thing that really kind of jumps out. So um, Hamlet the ghost, when he comes, uh, he's upset and disturbed because he was killed when he wasn't in the state of grace. Then, then Hamlet wants to take revenge on Claudius, and he has this opportunity to actually kill him, but he's, he's praying. And, and he decides not to kill him at that moment, because if he did... He thinks that he would go to straight to heaven, and he doesn't want Claudius to go to heaven. He wants him to suffer yeah. eternal punishment. Could you address those kind of themes there of like kind of the afterlife and Catholic understanding of stuff? And I think like that's why this play is so uh, very fitting, of, like you know why and why it was so popular. Is just there's I mean uh, Shakespeare loves to use irony, and like that that scene drives home one a central theme of irony, but also underscores kind of that deep way, again, of, like, how vengeance, while it is, like, that desire of the passions, it's kind of like the, the weapon that turns against its its user. Um, and so, like, you know, again, uh, the, the main thing there, like, Hamlet, as the father, right, he dies in this, this state of, uh, not in a state of grace, and he's in this kind of place of suffering, and that's why he's crying out for vengeance. Um, and this becomes a motivating tool for, for his son, Hamlet, uh, to, again, take revenge upon his uncle, um, and he, he has an opportunity he does. It, it comes, uh, you know, after after the play, uh, and, and again, you know, Claudius is kneeling in the state of prayer, um, and, you know, Hamlet could have taken the opportunity to kill him, but again, the, the opportunity wasn't good enough for him, right? And that's the problem with vengeance, is that um, it's not satisfying. Um, and the irony there, the great irony in the literary, <laughs> literary thing is that at the end of it, right, after Hamlet leaves, he chose, he's going to choose another time, right, Claudius says, right, well, my words follow the heaven empty. Uh, right, and, uh, and that's so he wasn't even real. <laughs> it was it was a prayer of no belief. So Hamlet had the opportunity to really, in the same way, uh, get his full vengeance. Uh, but uh, again, uh, yeah. that that drive of vengeance, yeah, and along you know, mad. along with that father, you know, just just that whole thing, like. If you're looking at it from a practical perspective, not that vengeance is good or acceptable, but if he had killed him at that point, it would have saved the lives of about uh, yeah. six or eight other people. You know, who in, in the yeah. end they all because of vengeance right. they all end up dying. Right. You know, go ahead. Yeah, Nancy. That's, uh, I think the, again the reality well, of tragedy. <laughs> right, I was right. I was just going to say in terms of Claudius's prayer, if Hamlet had just stuck around for two more lines, <laughs> he would have realized these. Prayers had no heart or sincerity to them. Oh, but, uh, yeah, it, it brings up another point. Like, and one thing that Hamlet struggles with the whole way is: is is a ghost trustworthy? Can you can yeah. you trust the yeah. ghost? And and even right. if the ghost is real, whatever, and if it's asking for vengeance, why, why you know why would you want to fulfill that? So 
and then it has to deal with Hamlet's own madness, actually, you could say, or what. But any any thoughts on that, Father Slattery? Just about you know what? I, I tell you yeah. what. Why don't we hold that thought um, because we are uh, coming up against a, a break that we need to take. And uh, when we talk about the trustworthiness of ghosts, we'll hear from <laughs> um, Nancy Gord and uh, Father Slattery right after this break. Here, as we talk about Shakespeare's Hamlet, uh, back to the Bard. After this break, you're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today from our Grand Fork studio. A reminder that these Real Presence Live programs, most every Saturday, are rebroadcast in encore presentations um, on Saturdays beginning at 6 a.m. Uh, Central, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, in order of the days of the week on which they appeared. You can also uh, download the podcasts and go to our website, realpresenceradio.com. As we are talking with Father Slattery and Nancy Gord about this masterpiece from Shakespeare, Hamlet, I think I'm just going to turn back over to you, Father Leffer, to reset the question sure, that we, we had here. We were, we were just about to call Ghostbusters when we came <laughs> up against the break, because we, we, were, we were getting into this um, Hamlet the Ghost uh, is he trustworthy and even if he is trustworthy why would you trust a ghost why would you want to do vengeance because of a ghost so uh take it away father slattery 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, w- one of the prominent themes in a lot of Shakespeare plays is the role of the supernatural, and especially the supernatural as a way of uh, kind of showing the duality of man and of this kind of struggle with good and evil. Um, and so, like again, like one of the major plots of, of Hamlet is this this question that he has about the trustworthiness of his father's ghost, whether it's a demon. At one point, he thinks that sent basically to entice him to evil in action. I mean, in the reality, it's because it's calling for vengeance, and you know, in no time in Catholic theology or Christian theology has it ever been acceptable to take vengeance. Um, so you have inherently, you know, uh, Hamlet knows that what he's, he's being asked to do is immoral. Um, but again, you have that strong family connection. The, the, the again, the grief of Hamlet who loses his father. Again, the injustice of of Claudius who murders his brother. Right, that's a very again a very plot driven and uh, tragic re- reality that fits into this this story. Um, but I think getting into it, that, that it goes into the Catholic question of like again the supernatural. How do we relate to it? Um, you see in Macbeth, like the witches become one of the driving points of how Macbeth uh, leads to his downfall. On the same way too, that in this theme, um, Hamlet's ghost is is kind of one of the important points and characters that leads to his son's death um, because he. He basically does believe him, and so, um, you know, I think you know other fathers uh, on, the, on that path. So, you know, I think in dealing with death and grief, uh, there's always the desire that our, our loved ones are in heaven. Sometimes I know people who have loved ones; they look for signs, right, uh, for their loved one to be in peace. Um, I think Shakespeare points to like you know, that that human tendency is not changed, um, and that again, even that tragic reality then of, of a loved one who, whose life is not settled. You know how how kind of disheartening that can be. How much grief that can well, not only be disheartening grief, but you know the connection of dying, not dying in the state of grace, and so then he causes yeah. his entire family to not die in the state of grace. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and he causes so. it even more. So I think I think very clearly. I think you know, uh, you know uh, Shakespeare is kind of pointing to this reality that Hamlet's ghost is kind of an influence of evil. And Nancy, did you have any uh, follow up uh, thoughts in that in that regard? I just want to mention that a large portion of the play, uh, in the in the middle of it, it, has to do with a play that they're enacting for entertainment at the royal court. And Hamlet sets up the plot of this play being produced to help reveal Claudius's guilt, and that is kind of an affirmation that the ghost is truthful. And Claudius, who pales at the sight of the plot line, which kind of mimics what he did, and obviously is unwell at seeing this being played, it, it does reveal his guilt. So he has some assurance that the ghost speaks the truth. It's not a demon tempting him to just commit a, a murder. And uh, Hamlet, it, at times, it's a long play. And that section can drag a little bit for young people reading it. Sure, sure. Now, that's a practical thing to consider in terms of people wondering what uh, age range, you know, might be best to dive into it. Uh, while we were off air a few minutes ago, Nancy, you had also talked about some themes regarding um, uh, prominent women in the story. Did you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, there are two excellent roles in this play for women, Gertrude and Ophelia. And I have talked about Ophelia uh, a young woman uh, knows fully the double standard, the difference between being a young man and a young woman. She's expected to be chaste, 
and yet use her womanly wiles to get information or to gain status at court. So again, that kind of role of the pawn, and in her fragile state, it is a very tragic situation for Ophelia. Now, Gertrude is, I don't know if I want to call her an innocent bystander, because what she did was marry her husband's brother. And in sometimes in discussing the play, is this some sort of incest? Is this an unnatural relationship? What can we read from the Bible that addresses this? But what she does is marry, and sometimes I like to think she did it for the stability of the country. Claudius takes the role of king because Hamlet has been away at school. He is not, he's not well-versed in the, in the ways of the court or leadership. And so Gertrude really knew nothing of her husband's murder. And where you look at Claudius and you think of greed and envy and ambition and lust, I don't see that on the part of Gertrude, and she is so confused and hurt by her son's just unnatural grief, according to Gertrude and Claudius, that this this is unmanly. And she is confused. She loves her son. She loved her dead husband. And I think she has pure motives in terms of the stability of the country. Yeah, a lot of complexity going on there, you know, when you dig uh, deep uh, uh, beneath the surface of things. Um, any uh, final thoughts, uh, Father Slattery, that you'd want to give in terms of um, just, you know, the, the, the impact of this play kind of uh, takeaways from our conversation today? Well, I think uh, one of the prominent themes is this kind of this question then of, of, of suicide. Uh, and like, I think... Uh, Reflecting on like Shakespeare as a as a real again human being writing this uh, for the kind of the same thoughts and reasons we would have of understanding life, um, you know, the, the, this kind of consideration of like what is the culpability for someone, especially in madness. Um, that's one of the points that comes up with like Ophelia as a character, uh, who we've seen throughout the play is again kind of used in a very tragic way, um, and struggles with that guilt of how she's used. Um, and at the end, when she does end up taking her own life, um, again, rejected by Hamlet, um, again, her father being murdered uh, because of, of, of Hamlet, uh, she's in, kind of isolated. And so one of the questions is, is it, it kind of put, there's a, does she belong to be buried in a cemetery? Ultimately, you know, Shakespeare has her buried in a cemetery, mm-hmm. even though it would have been kind of against tradition at the time. Uh, but I think he's, again, making kind of a deep understanding of responsibility of mortal sin, of, of there's these situations in which individuals, again, in the frailty of their mind, uh, do monstrous things that they are culpable for. And I think Ophelia becomes one of those prominent characters to kind of make that argument for, uh, again, a, a struggle with that, that sense of, again, the, the crime of taking one's life, right, in that act of, of a suicide. But there is, again, this is a tragedy, but at the same time, too, the greater moral complexity when it goes down to the question of what is someone's culpability. I mean, I think it's a deep reflection that Shakespeare offers in that. Could, could I ask the two of you, just um, because some people might be saying or saying, like, why would I want to waste my, my time, my energy, my psychological and emotional well-being to, <laughs> to take in a tragedy? So what, what role does, why would a say Shakespeare's time or our time, why would we, why would we be taken by tragedy? Why, why would we invest in a tragedy when we know in the end everybody's going to be dead? I think oftentimes 
tragedies last much better than comic words through the centuries because we all understand suffering. We don't all have the same sense of humor, but we all understand grief and loss. Now, Shakespeare is not an easy read. He is worth the effort, but I would search for different aids to help me understand the play. Uh, Summaries, uh, analyses of the soliloquies, Uh, just knowing it's because it is a fascinating plot if you put it in modern speak. And I I do think that when you look at the long list of, of even recommended reads for high school seniors, most of them are tragic in nature, and it, it is because those are the ones that last. You we, know, to, we feel pity and, and empathy. To give credence to what you're saying, to help people um, entry level, uh, The Lion King is based off of Hamlet. Yes. So, yes. so yes. If, yes. if you want to introduce themes you know, to children, well, The Lion King, would you, there is right. a way, you could, and you could connect right. it to Hamlet. So. <laughs> and there's all forms of adaptations. I think that's a, you know, what the why one. This is a great cultural work. Uh, and I think in, especially English contribution to Western culture, um, this this play is important. Um, at the same time, too, with the tragedy aspect, um, I think, you know, Jesus uses parables all the time to teach right. in how mm-hmm. in small ways we can see this thing to be true, then why not greater ways? I think that's a, a power of tragedy as well, as we look at this st- kind of storytelling method of the moral in this tragedy has, mm-hmm. I think, direct significance for our own lives in a greater way than we consider those things. There are, consequ- there are consequences to sin. I mean, they... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now we are uh, we're we're uh, starting to run short on time here, but uh, Father Leffer and I know that the two of you uh, <laughs> diligently look ahead in terms of possible uh, topics for for the next time that we uh, get together. Is there a work of literature that you have your eye on? Well, we're not lightening up things very much for the next read. Um, Man's Search for Meaning by oh, Victor Frankl. No, 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 no. Frankel. This is great. This is Fantastic. great. Fantastic. That's a score. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That so is. heading into Passion Week and uh, heading into Easter, just yes. looking at that, uh, the kind of, the, from the perspective of the, as John Paul II would say, is the, the sanctifying aspect of suffering and how suffering can be redemptive. No, I think that's a great work. reflection for April. So. Yep. Tremendous. Yes. Yeah. Well, consider our appetites whetted. We are uh, very grateful for so that. Victor, Victor Frankel's A Man's Search for Meaning will be a month. Yeah. Yes. Very good. And uh, Nancy and Father Slattery, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, uh, blessings to you and the rest of your day. Happy St. Yes, Patrick's Day. thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, well, we're going to be taking a quick break here, but our final segment is going to look into the um, activity of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, the state legislature, and what we know, need to know about the work that's going on there. Jason Atkins will join us after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio Network.